Welcome to Community Cocktails with Kimberly, hosted by Kimberly Woodard, a realtor for nearly 20 years with Ebby Halliday Realtors. Join her every first and third Wednesday of the month as she meets with the top community influencers to help you get to know the area you want to call home. Don't just love your home, love your community. And now, your host, Kimberly Woodard. Welcome viewers to this episode of Community Cocktails with Kimberly. I am so excited for this episode because we're going to share with you so much information. You hear right now in the media, every time you turn on the um, news, you hear something about our Dallas market and the housing market. So I today have to share with you Kelly Milligan. He's general counsel for Chicago Title, and he is going to show us some facts and um, cut off those myths that we are hearing and rumors out there in the industry. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you. Good to be here. I love having you on, and you always have such a wealth of information. <laughs> well, you know, you, you hope. You do this long <laughs> enough, eventually some stuff will stick. But, uh, yeah, a lot's happened since we did this, what, two years in a I, pandemic yes, ago. Yes. So. Yes. So it's, you know, we have had a roller coaster out there. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a whirlwind market that none of us have ever seen in our lifetimes. And with the housing and let's start, you know, kind of from the beginning of it is we went into COVID, everyone was locked down and then it's like the gates opened and everyone needed to do home. <laughs> when COVID hit and we entered into the lockdown phase, it was interesting some of the takes that you heard from people in media. Right. You know, if you went on social media and, and God, you needed a stomach to do it. <laughs> You had all these people that were trying to be influencers or right. industry leaders that were offering hot takes about how this is the big reset, real estate right. will never be the same. I think everybody went into COVID under the impression that that was going to really change the trajectory of the market. And I remember the week that everything locked down, I actually did uh, one of the local morning shows. I was on KLIF with, with Amy Shadroff. And when I was being pre-interviewed by their producer, the questions they were asking me made it clear that they already had their narrative. They're asking me, well, Kelly, where are you seeing the biggest drops in prices and how much are prices dropping? And I'm laughing because, I mean, first off, this is day two of the lockdown. Right. It's not like there's been time for the market to adjust if it were going to. But what I explained to them is we haven't seen it and we're likely not going to see it because while we may be taking a time out, if you will, while we may see things kind of artificially shut down for a period, the underpinnings of the market are still quite healthy in the sense that you have phenomenal demand, right. not much in the way of supply. And it's that same dynamic that's been driving this market really for the last decade. Yeah. We have more and more people moving here. Nobody really wants to leave here. Yeah. People moving here want to buy houses. There aren't a whole lot on the market. So everything that gets put on the market, as you know, just gets bid up ridiculously. Right. And so now we're in a situation where every year you hear analysts kind of predicting almost in a hopeful sense that we're going to see price appreciation slow this year. Yeah. And the reality is that we wound up with another year of double-digit price gains in Dallas last year because so many people are coming here from elsewhere and there's just nothing for them to buy. There's not. And you know, right now, you know, as a realtor, you're seeing you know, people are having us do Zoom showings and for all these virtual showings because they can't get to here to look at houses. And if they do come for the weekend, the likeliness, it's probably a 50-50 chance that they're actually going to get that one that they've been on because... <laughs> well, and even getting the opportunity to go see the property oh, can yeah. be difficult. I read an article in the Dallas Business Journal this morning that said that we lead the nation in showings per listing because there is just that much demand out there and so few homes on the market. 
And I can believe that I've gone in where it was, the door was just a revolving. I don't think the door ever locked. <laughs> and so it's just so crazy out there and seeing, and there's all these people. I mean, and you've got, you know, people are relocating with families. I mean, they're on the verge and they're crying because they're like desperate because they're going to be homeless. <laughs> well, well not be, homeless, but you know, not have a home. <laughs> you know, not a refrigerator box in the park, but definitely yeah, not right. what they were hoping for when they right. came here. And you know, it's ironic. One of the biggest draws of the Metroplex for people from out of state has always been the relatively affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And as prices continue to go up, we worry about that evaporating. Yeah. And in some respects, I think you've already kind of seen it. Uh, I think back to when I first moved to Metro Dallas, gosh, 26 years ago. Uh, my first wife and I were able to find a, a really cute little detached kind of townhome in North Dallas, uh, you know, right around two. You wouldn't find anything no, like no. that for under five today. It's right. just crazy. It's crazy. It is just crazy. I mean, I've been talking to my parents about just the house prices and how, you know, you know even I'll use just Plano, for example. I mean, you used to be able to find something in a very nice home for, mm -hmm. you know, 250 <laughs> I don't think there's anything. Well, but, but what has happened is this. We talk about the impact of prices right. on the people moving here. And, you know, for the folks moving here from California, it's not that big a deal. They're selling like some mid-century modern in El Segundo for a million eight. Right. They come here cash rich and they can't spend all their money on a home, even if they want to. Right. They aren't really set back by this. What it's doing, though, is it's hurting the younger families, the trade-up buyers. You know, you mm -hmm. take... Uh, the young married couple, maybe she's a teacher and he's a firefighter. Right. And they're getting ready to have their second kid and they need more than 1,600 square feet and they can't find anything. Right. Not Not in the sweet spot, not in Collin County and a lot of the places where we traditionally think of as really family-friendly markets. And so right. they're going into Denton County and they're going further and further out. We've seen a relative boom in Kaufman County, for example. Oh, 40s yes. go crazy right it now. Is, that is a crazy, I feel like it's wheels off out there. And it's kind of wheels off everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but it's also a nice, you know, it's a different direction. It's the same kind of distance of you know Plano to downtowns, but you're just in you know you're east versus north. So, and it's really developed up out there. Well, and one of the ways that COVID changed the market, not radically changed, but but obviously a shift, is that more and more people will now be able to work remotely. I don't right. know if that's going to be a permanent thing, but I do think for a lot yeah. of us, working from home is more of an option than it would have been. And if you're in a position that allows that, then you don't have to buy close in downtown Dallas or right. any of the areas near where your office is going to be. You can go by in Little Elm or you know the Colony or some of these communities in Denton County that are going crazy. And then we look at Collin County, Obviously, straight up the tollway, yep. Frisco, Prosper, and Salina continue to be very hot markets. But we also see a lot of activity over on the, the east side of, of Collin County. Anna oh, and Melissa yeah. are doing really well. Very and well. It goes up into uh, to Grayson County. So it's uh, we're seeing the suburb just continue to expand out. Yes. And again, to your point of people working from home, so many people are working from home. And they're just not... Um, they're not having to go to an office. And I think it's kind of at a point too, now that some companies are encouraging them, these people have already gotten their set weights if they don't really want to. And it's hard to get them back <laughs> to the office these what, days. What, I got to put pants back on? I, I know, know, I know. 
but, they're used to like their slippers. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to the point you made on the lead in though, yeah. there's a lot of talk about what is happening in our market. Yes. And so much of it I think is just driven by folks looking for an angle or a story. For example, during the second half of 2021, you heard every month from several different but reliable sources that our housing market was cooling. And they would base this on a look at the year-over-year -year numbers. Right. September, for example, of 21 was not as hot as September of 20. Right. And if but you just want to look hot. at those numbers, okay, maybe you can support that argument. But what people don't realize is that 2020 was artificially skewed right. in a way that made the second half of that year look just absolutely bonkers. Right, because, because we lost it. Yeah, we lost, we lost the second quarter. Yeah, we lost the entire second quarter. But you can see what happened when the markets opened back up, starting really in June and July, it was mm -hmm. crazy. Yep. But the whole third quarter, we set records every month, and the fourth quarter was just a big victory oh, lap. Yeah. Oh, that was crazy. So to me, I think the better indicator is you can look at what the market did in 21, Compare it to 20 and you'll find it wanting because 20 was just so crazy red hot. Right. But then if you compare 21 to 19, which, by the way, was previously the best year in the history of the market, yeah. we did better almost every month of the year than we did in 2019. So wow. when all the dust settled, we had the second best year in the history of the market last year only by about 1,400 home sales. And, you know, if there'd been a little more inventory available, I think we, we would have eclipsed the record from 20. Oh, but definitely. the media wants to spin this as, oh, our market is cooling. And it's, uh, it's, it borders on disingenuous. The fact is, if we had more inventory, we would set records every month and every year. But oh, yeah. That's always been the big thing holding well, us back. Right now, we don't even have a month of inventory. And, you know, it's crazy. Well, now, that's not completely true. If you're looking at the $750,000 and up <laughs> price range, yeah, you'll, you'll find more than a month there. But, but we speak of an inventory yeah. as being at equilibrium when we're right. at six months. Yeah. We haven't really had six months anywhere here since uh, W's administration. You've literally got to go back 14 years or so. And it's I, nuts. It is. I tell my clients that are in the, in the housing market, buyers or sellers, are like whatever you remember of you know, buying a house or selling a house, erase that from your memory. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just erase it. It's, it's much harder for buyers now. It is. The competition's is. intense. Yes. Uh, agent behavior is bad. You'll see people yes. get under contract, realize that they have interest from someone who would be willing to pay more, and they will find ways to try to kick the buyer to the curb and get rid of them. Yes. Uh, you know, and that's a lot of what I do in my role is talk to agents and their clients who find themselves in one form of disaster or right. another. And yeah, some of the behavior from, from folks in the industry is just, uh, it's kind of eye-opening. Uh, that's such a shame because, again, you've got this these people that have their largest, pretty much their largest financial investment for most people. Absolutely. And, you know, as a buyer, you're, you've already got that emotion. And that's what's the difference is in buying a house versus anything else. It, there's that emotional aspect. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to have memories. I'm going to have holidays, the kids, you know, opening mm -hmm. presents or birthday parties and things like that. And the, you've got that emotion. And then for this other stuff to happen, it's just heart-wrenching. Yeah. And then you hear the stories. It really yeah, is tough. It is. It is hard. But, so. uh, but, you know, a second myth I think we might want to talk about briefly is this whole notion that you, you've been hearing really for two or three years now that our market is some sort of a quote-unquote bubble. Bubble is going to pop. <laughs> well, if only, I, you know, yeah. but, but that's not really the case. No. There's no technical definition of a housing bubble, but more or less what you're talking about is a concept whereby the value of real property, 
has no relationship to reality. The market is out of whack. Right. And I think we were closer to that in 2007 when the market really corrected. Yeah. But as others that do what I do, including Dr. Jim Gaines, who's the, uh, the head economist at the Real Estate Center down at A&M, put it, we still have really strong underpinnings of demand. Yeah. Prices are going up the way they are because people are willing to pay them, and there are plenty more that will pay them. They just haven't had the right. chance yet because inventory is so bad. Right. You know, by contrast, the market 2007-8 was more investor-driven, uh, more the product of irrational exuberance, whereas what we have today is a completely different set of circumstances. Right. The folks that tell us we have a housing bubble are typically people who aren't from here. Folks like uh, the Fitch Rating Service up in New England, their analysis seems to be that when there is trouble in the oil and gas sector, that somehow that impacts Dallas. And what I don't think they realize is that, you know, like 1% of our jobs here are energy related. Right, right. It hurts the Permian Basin. It hurts Houston and San Antonio. It doesn't hurt us. If anything, I think trouble in the oil industry helps us because we pay less at the gas pump and we've got more money to go spend on margaritas or houses. <laughs> there you go. But uh, it's always people who don't really understand the dynamics driving the Metroplex. People don't get the reason for the in-migration. Uh, and one of the things that I was telling people at the start of COVID and the lockdowns, the, once things opened up, that I thought we would see a big wave of people coming here to get away from states where things were just basically mismanaged. Right. And that's been borne out. The number of people moving here from places where the lockdown mentality was really hardcore, like California, oh, yeah. Illinois, uh, Minnesota. You know, you look at the states that are feeding Texas its new residents, and it, it all seems to be that that they have in common. People are coming here to escape there. I 100% agree. I had a client come in in 2020. It was fall. He was like, well, you know, I may be moving. You know, he wanted his daughter to finish school, but it, she was virtual anyways. He comes here, and everything's open. He's like, the movie theater's open? I go, Yes. Um, restaurants. He was just in shock. Mm -hmm. So he got, went back to California. He said, I'm putting the house on the market. We're moving here with or without a house. And, you know, she can do finish virtual school from here and then just start the school year wherever they end up finding their house in the, um, in the spring. But I mean, that is a perfect example of people wanted, they wanted back their lives. And yeah. we were open. <laughs> and, you know, we were already seeing that dynamic in Texas for several years before yeah. that. People were coming here because they wanted to buy what we were selling. And yep. that's a greater degree of freedom and autonomy. And I think COVID really just ramped that up. And so now uh, you see in migration growing by leaps and bounds. The other thing you see that is going to help drive the housing market is corporate relocations. Yeah. We had, um, oh God, I'd have to find the slide here, but the number of companies that moved here in the last year yes. was remarkable. Uh, you know, a significant number of companies either moved here from elsewhere or expanded the scope of their operations within their Metroplex. And it's like, uh, you know, dozens. Oh, and we were talking, you know, just from those, a, a good five to 7,000 new jobs. But we also know from uh, folks at the Dallas Regional Chamber of Commerce they're tracking companies that have expressed an interest in maybe coming to North Texas. And we're looking at about 120 companies that are right now contemplating coming here in the next year or two. Wow. So the jobs are coming, people are coming. Um, and, you know, obviously there's pluses and minuses to that. Yes. You know, the-, the, the We got the, more people. <laughs> yeah, we got more people and where are we gonna put them all? Yes, and, and that means more people on the road. Where are they gonna park the cars? Yes. Right, I know. Yes, there's all that dynamics. But, you know, it, it's just because our area is, you know, easy to get in and out. Um, we're very, you know, 
we're in the center. Um, we also, it's easy to do business on East and West Coast because we're centrally located. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really look at that. And obviously, um, tax. Yeah, no income so. tax. We have an educated workforce. We've yep. got, for the most part, pretty good public schools throughout yeah. the state. Um, cost of living relative to other parts of the country is, you know, we talk about how affordability has eroded, but right. we are still one of the more affordable housing markets in the country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the high school football and the Tex-Mex cuisine, I think, are just kind of the cherry on the cake. And I, <laughs> I wouldn't go, go anywhere else. I know. Why not? Definitely. Why? I mean, it's, it, it is. It's an, it is an easy place. I would say our area is an easy place to live because we do have so many things at your fingertips. When people come to these suburbs and they look around, um, they are like, wow, you've got everything. I mean, we've got, I, I say, if you're looking for a church, we have one on every corner. What would you like? Um, just like a gas station. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so and we have all the shopping that you need. And they're just amazed. I mean, when I have clients, again, coming in from other states, they're amazed at all the services that we have um, right there at their fingertips. Yeah, so. good place to be. And I think the rest of the country has figured that out. The secret's out. And that's a big part of what's driving the uh, the in-migration and the growth. We just now have to find housing for them. And there's, there's not a lot of pre-owned inventory. No, there's not. But on the other hand, we are now the leading market in the country for new home construction. We uh, actually eclipsed 58,000 sales or starts last year, right. which uh, just bested 2006. That had always been the previous best year for builders. Wow. And they had a long, hard slog to get back. And you know all the constraints that they're fighting. Yep. Everything costs more. Lot inventory is limited. Labor is scarce. Yep. So it's been really hard, I think, for builders to recapture that level of momentum. Uh, and the big thing that I think a lot of the builders are worried about this year is lot development. You know, when we see an empty field, out in the suburbs, we right. have, what a great place to put a housing development. But you've got to have infrastructure. You've got to yep. have electricity. You've got to have plumbing and sewer. Yep. And uh, there's got to be capital put in to, to make those things happen. Yeah. Um, and we've got a lot of lots under development in the Metroplex, but it's not clear that they're all going to be ready this year. Yeah. So, you know, builders kind of face the same constraint that, that we do when we talk about pre-owned homes. Right. It's what's out there? How much is, is available for them to build on? But but they're doing what they can. Yeah, they are, and they're trying to—they're trying to keep up with the demand. But it's—we've got much more demand, which brings me yeah. to the point: is so we're in 2022. Um, what what do you in your crystal ball here? <laughs> what what are you seeing? I mean, we're almost we're into our you know close to the last month of our third quarter now. Well, we know that January was an improvement over December, and also uh-huh. an improvement over January of twenty one. Okay, um, we sold about uh, you know I think fourteen hundred more homes than wow. we did the previous year. So we're off to a good start. But when you talk about the crystal ball, it's obviously very murky for several reasons. First off, the national economic outlook is not what I think a lot of us would like it to be. Uh, and without bordering on or verging on the political, it's because we just have a very different worldview running the economy right now. And I think right. they, they want different things for this country than, than maybe, uh, you know, John and Jane homeowner. Right. Everything costs more. And that's going to be a big drag. It really has put a damper on consumer confidence. We've now had eight consecutive months of inflation at over 7%. Mm -hmm. We know that interest rates are likely to rise. The Fed has already signaled that they're going to do that several times this year. And while it's not clear how that will impact mortgage rates, we know they're going to be somewhat higher. 
So there are a lot of things that I think are uh, kind of pushing back against the momentum of our regional economy in the housing market. Um, these adventures going on in the Ukraine right now, I think, are also spooking a lot of people. Yeah. So uh, when you have all that at play, it obviously makes it hard to know with any certainty what we're going to see this year. The things that I think we do know is that the biggest drag on our market has been inventory. Right. At almost every price point and in almost every community, we are not just under a month, we're well under a month. Yep. And what most of the analysts who study this have said is that's the biggest drag on home sales. If there were more for people to buy, more people would buy and you would see the numbers of sales go up dramatically. Right. Unless we have something happen that creates a market shift and more inventory, that dynamic is going to be what limits our market. I think it is reasonable to suppose that we could see housing sales, sales of pre-owned homes, increase by you know anywhere from one to three percent this year. But it depends on how many more listings we get, how much more hits the market. Uh, but on the other hand, you know affordability becomes a concern. You right. know, mortgage payments are going up because interest rates are going up. Right. The prices of houses everywhere have gone up dramatically. Right. So I, I think that you know if you look at what this market does, and we don't outperform twenty or twenty-one. It's real easy to say, oh, that's the sign of decline in the housing market, when the fact is it's just other stuff kind of limiting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's still a very healthy market in terms of demand. Supply situation is not terribly healthy. Right. But, uh, you know, I think unless there is just an absolute collapse of some sort, we will see the market kind of hold serve or maybe a slight increase in home sales this year. We do know, though, that prices are going to continue going up, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see them up across the board anywhere from, from 8 to 10% again this year. Wow. Well, but, you know, and again, yeah. that's that'll vary by area. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, it won't be as much in some parts of the Metroplex, nice. but then in others, it, it will be crazy just like we've seen. Yep. So another good year. Um, is this the year that you want to put your home on the market and sell, take your profit? Possibly. Possibly. Of course, the basic <laughs> question, where do you go then? I, it does. It does. Um, but it is a great time if you're looking to cash in on that equity. And so maybe maybe it's the time where you decide you're going to just put everything in the Winnebago and travel a little bit the country. <laughs> Move to the Florida Keys and tent bar. There you go. Well, well, cheers, Kelly. This has been fabulous. Always I, fun. I hope all my viewers, I know they've enjoyed this episode. And um, cheers to us in 2022. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to contact Kimberly with your real estate needs, you can reach her at KimberlyWoodard.ebby.com. We hope you enjoyed our guest this week. And remember, don't just love your home, love your community.